about anybody else, but as long as I'm going to be promoting this fight myself, I want a lot more pressure put on for a rematch. Hey, if we can get the same money for the two top contenders, why go after Balboa? Why? Because there's still a lot of people out there that think he won. There's a lot of people out there accusing me of having the fight fixed, accusing me of being a fake and insulting my kids at school. That's why. You want to hear the truth? Yeah, I want to hear the truth. The truth is that last time he was damn lucky. Now he's all finished. I mean, he's been hanging around doing nothing for six months. And any trainer worth anything wouldn't have nothing to do with him. Now I say, let's go after some new meat. Forget this bum. You think I beat him the last time, do you? You got the decision. Man, I won, but I didn't beat him. What are you afraid of, Tony? Honest? Yeah, honest. He's all wrong for us, baby. I saw you beat that man. Like I never saw no man get beat before. You're traveling to another radio show, a broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind, a journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination, imagination. that's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio, with your guides, Guy Bert, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. Mind expansion engaged. here we are alive for the duration we, we're going to really try hard to remain being alive folks i am your host per usual this time it's on a monday we're still trying to make that transition to the other platform and we will give you more information about that soon but again dbert aka the afternote here afternote here pardon me with my co-host partner of white collar crime the indefatigable captain kirk I will beam him down in a hazmat suit to deal with what we're dealing with, people. The caller number, as you know, is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Certainly call us in, or you can simply listen with your smartphones, which many of you do. But certainly call us in with your questions, your protestations, your experiences, especially because of this COVID-19 crises. But I choose to have 
um, positive thinking. And I think just like in 1918, 100 some odd years ago, we went through the Spanish flu uh, kind of sort of twice because it was actually, I don't, I don't even want to talk about that, but we, I'm going to have to, that um, as bad as things are now, there's always the potential that it w- this virus rains down and then does a remix and comes back again for round two, which could even lead to more fatalities. So hopefully we have more medical advancements in the last hundred years that we can prevent that. But again, um, look, we're in the middle of it right now. This is the epicenter of the crises in this nation. So we'll, we'll, we'll lend more information, more perspective. Um, but we're also going to talk about some nerd stuff because, look, it's called Afro-Nerd, and I do believe that we are going to have to craft a way out of this. And a lot of it has to do with somehow returning to some sort of normalcy, some sort of normalcy. So anyway, part of the normalcy <laughs> with our spacely sprocket machinery deals with the deals with the playing of urban alternative music. We know about the Breakfast Club. We know about iHeartMedia. We know about MS Communications, even Sirius XM. They are not playing alternative music as if black people and people of color, as if we don't have our own kind of grunge deal. Yes, we have alternatives to just substandard hip-hop music. We really do. So if they're not playing it, we, we don't have a choice but to play it here. Um, let's go to Angelo Moore. Angelo Moore is the lead singer of one of my favorite bands, Fishbone. They've been around for more than 30-plus years. Uh, certainly um, underrepresented. This, this well-known secret, I think that the Red Hot Chili Peppers stole their career. I think just a matter of pigmentation. Anyway, Angela Moore, The Way You Make Me Feel, his cover of the great Michael Jackson song. Two minutes, we'll be right back. Let's groove. Don't 
Tonight, give me a little bit more sound on that one. That was a heavy metal rendition by the great Angela Moore of the great, equally great Fishbone Band, covering Michael Jackson in his own way, the way you make me feel. Okay, folks, we're back live and direct on a Monday, no less. Let's get it in. Captain, Captain Kirk, that is, you are needed on the clean and germ-free bridge. Let's get to it, sir. that record by the way that's neither here nor there now this diatribe that the captain has coming up right now it's going to be rather interesting all right it's going to be a bit harsh but rather interesting there's a purpose in what the captain is doing now the captain will start like this remember the captain is not a scientist he's not a doctor not even a teacher always remember that person that got lucky with what a scientist did to him But anyway, now, let's start like this. Why are humans stupid? All right? Now, of course, you don't think you're stupid. You you think more or less, you think you're the smartest person in the room, a know-it-all, that's how you walk around, or, which no one really likes, or, I'm not really the smartest person in the room, but I know that I'm all right. That's how the normal human will think from day to day. Well, according to... L. Ron Hubbard, which is big, that's big. According to the U.S. military, which is huge, I'm using U.S. military. According to Alex Alex uh, Crowley, big, and according to Dark Matter Lamb, what is Dark Matter Lamb? Well, Alex Crowley, according to the information that was out there, remember Alex Crowley was a master Satanist. Be careful. In one of his channeling sessions, this imp. From the dark matter realms Allegedly, theoretically, potentially Inductively And conspiratorially Had told them that humans Are controlled by their subconscious Humans are in a five year old state Doesn't matter They're just five years old And you could easily control them So Ice Coley went hmm. He started using this to his benefit In his rituals and everything else The US military went crazy with it They were able to build Humans that are like totally alters, which are couriers, in which they used um, psychedelic drugs. They used things such as LSD and things like trauma training and everything else to build their type of couriers. What would the couriers could do? The couriers could memorize a whole bunch of information and then go to a point and then talk the information out and totally forget it. That was their alter. All right, they they built that. They built what is known as super soldiers with this type of training. 
them and also Russia. Russia's actually super soldiers would be better because they, they understand quantum mechanics better. That's a whole nother thing. So, and also people that did remote viewing, they were able to clear out the subconscious a little bit and they'll be able to remote view. What is remote viewing? It's just clairvoyance. They renamed it, you know. They're able to sketch things at distance locations and things of that nature. L. Ron Hubbard became a billionaire with this process. If you notice people in Dianetics, they have a tendency to do well because they subconscious a little bit better. The subconscious controls the human. The human is only five years old, according to that doctrine. Now, me to the normal human, I'm 13 years old at this given point. That's because I was tinkered with. So I'm older than you from the subconscious standpoint. The, the name of the game is get to a 30 years old. That's when you actually grow up from the subconscious standpoint. That's a whole other thing. That could happen to me within 17 years or it could happen in less. It all depends. That's the point of view you have to get to. Now, that's the first thing, which is stranger than fiction. Truth, a lot of times, is stranger than fiction. That's, that was your U.S. military. That was L. Ron Hubbard. That's why he's peddling with Dianetics. That's our Alex LaCrowley, who's no longer with us. That's what they were peddling. That's up to you whether or not you want to believe it. You probably don't believe that. Now, but let's go further. Why is the human stupid? According to Google scientists, not the captain now, Google scientists, pay attention. They say you're not as knowledgeable as you were in the 1980s. But we got all this technology now. How are we not as knowledgeable? Well, let's say let's ex, let's explain. What do you do now when you want to look up something? Especially if you're in college, you go to Wikipedia. All right. So let's stop right there. College professors do not like you going to Wikipedia because you're not doing real research. That's number one, and it makes their homework easier. If Wikipedia is right, you've seen many times Wikipedia is wrong. Most of you do not know how Wikipedia operates. I spoke to Wikipedia on the phone because I'm doing research. I know how they operate. I won't get into that right now. In the 1980s, if you were doing research, I remember I did doing research in the 1980s. Let me tell you what you did. Let's take Captain. I remember I was working on this. Um, it was dealing with television repair. That's what I was working on. I was doing a report on that. This is what you did. You went to High School Britannica. That's one, Right? Now, I said high school Britannica. What am I talking about? <laughs> Encyclopedia Britannica. That's where you went. That's one. That was still around in then. 90s, that disappeared. Went to the Britannica. Then you got a hold of Cliff Notes. You remember Cliff Notes, right? Got a hold of that. I'm already ahead now. Then from there, you got a hold of a research paper because somebody may have did. But I, had, I got a hold of an old research paper from the 70s. That's three things already. You went and got a hold of two opposing authors. I was lucky enough, two different people, they put the books differently, differently together, two opposing authors. Then I went and interviewed because there's a repairman not too far from me, from where I was living at the time. I interviewed him. You understand? That's research. You don't do that today. You understand? You go to Wikipedia and you think you're going to get the answers. You understand? So now, not only from a subconscious standpoint, you're five years old, which is what controls humans, humans, according to the powers that be. That's what they say. Hypnotists and all them people, you're subconscious. You're five years old. Look at how you're doing your research. All right? Terrible. And you wonder why. 
Now, if you have a five-year-old subconscious, here's the problem. My subconscious is going to be rebellious by nature. Here's the problem. The five-year-old does not know scientists sometimes lie because they're paid to lie. Scientists will falsify information to keep their funding going. You don't know stuff. So as a scientist could tell you anything, and you're going to say, well, he's a scientist. Well, he's a doctor. Well, he's a this. That's the five-year-old mentality. That's what you do. That's not what I'm saying to you. I'm not lying. That's what you do. That's what most of you will do. Oh, I didn't study that. Well, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. No, you're a five-year-old, so they could tell you anything. One big position that does this a lot, even though I don't want to say because you're a black man in that position. All right, you have a black man. That's a hint. Someone who's a scientist. That position is there to keep you, the humans, in a certain type of format where this is what it is. This doesn't exist. This doesn't exist. Stay in this box. Okay? That's what that position is. I'll let you try and figure that out. That's what's happening out there in the world. He's paid to do that. All right? And he's very educated. So what are you going to do as a human? Well, he's this, he's that. He has this degree. He has that degree. That's what the human does. All right? Me, I'm naturally more rebellious straight from the gate. Because I'm 13. You know a typical 13-year-old is going to be rebellious. You are a baby. So what does a 13-year-old do to a 5-year-old? Well, when it's time to cross the street, you might hold their hand. You might carry them. I'm a robust 13-year-old, so I'm going to carry a few of you across the street. I'm not going to stay going back and forth with you on Twitter because I know you're only 5 years old. You're not on my level. Coupled with a few other things, you're not going to be on the captain's level. All right? So, to tell you, in a nutshell, this is why one of the main reasons why humanity right now is operating in a stupid, in a stupid stupor that they're in, all right? Your subconscious is only five years old. It needs to grow up, all right? Now, you can play with um, Dianetics if you want to. You can get the technology later on in like 20 years from me. reason why I say 20 years, you're not ready to get this type of technology that I was tinkered with because... The typical human walks around, either I'm really smart or, well, I'm a, I don't think I'm really smart. I'm okay. You got to roll back the layers and realize you're stupid to be involved with something that I'm involved with. So that, that's going to take you about 20, 10, I would say about 20 years. That's going to take you. Because you've had a lifelong process of, oh, I go into college. I got an advanced degree. I make 100 Gs a year. My man, he went to college, but he only makes 65. I'm smart. I'm this. You got to roll all of that back. You understand? For you to advance. So it would be better with like a, probably a person who only has a high school dropout to really advance them. But that's a whole other thing. Now, let me tell you something. Let me give you a jewel, a jewel pertaining to the coronavirus. Give you a jewel. Everybody, this is a jewel. You're not going to take it because it's not coming from the CDC, but I'll tell you. What is the coronavirus? Let's pause. Well, they say it's a respiratory disease. That means you go out during the day, it goes up your nose and into your lungs. Do you catch the disease right away? No. It has to, You need time for the disease to take a stronghold in your lungs. So, according to scientists, they say... 
hydrogen peroxide with 30 seconds with the virus, if the virus was on your table and you threw hydrogen peroxide on it, it counteracts the virus. Hello, hydrogen peroxide, 3% solution is $1.99. Simple. You go out for the day. Let's say you, count, you, counter, you uh, encounter the virus. All right, you need to get this hydrogen peroxide in you. It's going to go in. The virus went, just went in your lungs. So what do you do? You snort hydrogen peroxide. It's going to burn for about 20 seconds, and it goes down in your throat. Virus is dead. Very simple. Now, of course, you're not going to do that. But if CDC was on TV and they told you to do that, you would do that. Now, it's coming from me, so you're not going to listen. I don't know anything. Everybody's smarter than the captain. This is what you got to understand. If a few of you are saying, yeah, that, that may work, that I can see that, but it's not going to mess up your lungs. According to scientists, once again, people who smoke cigarettes, pack a day for five years, they say in 10 years, your lungs come back. Do you know why they come back? Let's explain to the dumb human. When you have a cut on your body, right, little cut, little cut, little cut, you know, you're not going to the hospital or anything like that. Why does it heal itself? Not because of the Band-Aid, because the body is very resilient. It heals itself. If the body did not heal itself, you probably would bleed out with that little cut in your body. Speaking of it, the body does this. So if you are snorting hydrogen peroxide, let's say for six months, in a year and a half, your lungs would come back. And if you try this process, do not use a hydrogen peroxide solution over 3%. 3% is what's commonly sold. They got things out there, 10%, 15%, 20%. No way. You may, be, you, you may mess yourself up really bad with that. 3%, little round bottle, up your nose. Now, walk good. That's all I'm going to say to you. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Back up to you, Afro. That's it. Okay. Thank you once again, Captain. Uh, folks, if you haven't guessed it, you are listening to a Monday edition of the Grindhouse, courtesy of the Afro Nerd Radio Machine Works, and you too can call and and provide us with, provide us pardon me provide us with your opinions, your questions, what have you. It's okay, it's fine. Six four six nine one five ninety six twenty again. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. So we're going to talk a little bit about. COVID-19 because we really don't have a choice. Um, we are broadcasting live from the New York City metro area, so we're literally in the heart of it. And I think it's just interesting that, of course, we can give you information, which is what we're going to do. I mean, it's, again, the show is called AfroNerd, so we will give you information. But we're also going to give you some anecdotal data and just some observations as to what's happening on the ground from our unique perspective. So, uh, I got a call from a corporate executive at my firm who runs the majority of the outfit that I work in. And we often, oftentimes I'm in his office and we're always going back and forth about politics. Um, he's conservative. I'm conservative. But I think we parted ways once Trump went full retard. That's just my <laughs> – you know, uh, to quote Tropic Thunder, that movie. Um, so anyway, uh, 
we're having a conversation this morning, and he's giving me a rundown as to what he thinks about the company going forward, and and just and we're going back and forth about opinions about the situation, and not to not to disclose too much, but to give you a kind of a roundabout thing. This situation, and we've been speaking about this for for a few shows now, has radically changed, or may radically change how everyone conducts their conducts themselves with social distancing and telecommuting. I mean, this is this is this is a game changer potentially, and no one really knows when we will even be able to, to return to, to some degree of normal, normalcy. I don't I don't know. It's hard to say. I know that in Italy, in the last few days, although although the death toll has risen, the number of new cases has declined for like four or five days in a row. So, I mean, the number, now Italy is one country the size of probably one or two of our states, and they had a death toll of 7,000 as of March 26. So the, the, the beginning of this weekend, their death toll was 7,000. But for four days or five days in a row, the new cases have declined. So the bitter pill is, and this is what's going to have to happen in this country, is that we're going to have to see, you know, some, some, some people passing, which is, which is something we're, we're trying desperately to prevent. But if you see, if that continues, but you start to see less new people coming in with the, with the disease, then we're starting to see some kind of, some kind of opening. But when that may occur, no one really knows. I do know that they're, they're starting to make, uh, to create or erect makeshift morgues. Central Park, I believe, has some sections that, because of dealing with the bodies. I mean, that's grisly. That's grisly. Dealing with the bodies. Uh, so that's one thing that, that I can say personally, that just with the conversation that I had with the gentleman. Um, also, I went out like other New Yorkers, but I, I've, I've been going. I've, I've been sparing, sparingly going out to get food and wearing gloves, wearing a mask. And I, I tell you, to see a select few, a select few not wearing anything, going to the supermarket, and a few random costs bugs me out. This is where you see the OCD is going to, it's going to really get, it's going to get me, like I said it as, as a goof on air, but now you can't help it. I think, will we see a rise in OCD cases? Will we see a rise in germophobias? Will we, you know, I, 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 when I saw this guy coughing, he was nowhere near me, but I, I didn't want to even be in his, in his vicinity. And I understand how the droplets worked, how they suspended air, how, you know, and, and all of that. The, the, li- the likelihood of, of you really getting it like that, or you, even if he had it. But the idea that I'm, I've seen, I will say this. It is, it is in one way somewhat refreshing to see a certain number of discerning and cogent and careful 
humans walking around, whether it's for s and giggles, whether it's just for show, at least you need to look like you're concerned for your health, your health, and your fellow man's health. So quite a few folks walking around I did notice, more so exponentially. Let's say last week, there was a hell of a, hell of a lot less people protected or, or even faux, faux protected. But to see those random folks walking around, one one day it was fairly warm, almost close to 70, and one young lady, young mother, had like shorts on. She wasn't protected. Her son, young son, she's holding his hand. It's just, they're just gallivanting like like it's just another summer day. I'm looking at these people like, you are insane. And I don't want to be anywhere near you. Touch it, you know. If you if you go to buy um, fruits and vegetables, I mean, you, folks should know by now. You have to, um, why you should be washing your vegetables anyway. But you you really have to do it with a lot more efficacy. Uh, and even the the routine that that I have to go through, and uh, I can speak for uh, Mr. Starks because we go back and forth about this stuff. And Mr. Starks, this is he this is his routine as well. But now, if you're not doing this. You need to be doing this, and it's 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 uh, it's like another job. <laughs> you know, if you're fortunate enough to be able to work from home, and we'll see how long that that lasts, because there, there's a a diminishment in business all the way around. So even though if you're working from home, you know th- there's a a collapsing effect with a re- with a receding of business, hence a recession. But you start to see less of less people. Even doing your work at home, but that's beyond the point. Um, but coming, returning from buying food, it's, it, I'm at the point now where I, yeah, I might need one of those uh, captain. I might need one of those post uh, post apocalyptic contamination decontamination chambers. I even looked it up on YouTube. The folks, the hazmat, you know, de- decontamination chambers, decontamination showers. Those things you would see as as a theme, as an overplayed theme in post post apocalyptic science fiction movies. It's funny how the, how the science fiction, a more goofy. That's, that's probably why science fiction has has gained in population population gained in popularity at the advent of Marvel or whatever it was. But you know, as a sci-fi head. Sci-fi was always relegated to the to Fridays and midnight. Um, didn't necessarily garner the kind of popularity that we see now. And to think that many of the tropes in old school post-apocalyptic science fiction stuff just came off as this entertainment. Now it could conceivably be really a reality that when you enter your home. Or you have a guest, they have to be, um, you know, deloused. They may have to be deloused. You got to go through a process. So I, even with myself, I have to, and they're, they're telling people to do this. The foods that you, the food that you're buying, of course, you have to uh, wipe the, the food down, um, spray, spray, and wipe down disinfectant on every item that you're purchasing. Spray up your bags, take your clothes off, 
spray up, spray up your clothes, spray up your shoes, spray up the bottom of your shoes. This is real. This is real. This is the process that I have to go through. Clean clothes, mind you. I, you know, I'm a neat freak. So I had to go through all this stuff on you know, my personal body. It's like just, it's just crazy. This, this is what, you, what we're doing now. And it, it, it's causing kind of sort of a paranoia. And I'm looking at people, looking at people even more closely going into these supermarkets. These people that have no gloves on, no mask, nothing. Just and just laughing. Mouths are open. I'm looking at your grill piece. Just yak, 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 yak. It's all good. I'm looking at the molecules getting out of your, out of your malocclusion. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. It's crazy, Captain. Anyway, um, that's just my personal what's going on with me just for the, just walking around. And I, and I make sure I, I go out very sparingly. Not a lot of people. You've know, you you got to try to time it also because you don't want to get into a situation where you're going to a supermarket and then there's like a lot of people around you when you just I'm, – I'm being very – you know, but the six feet or more distancing, some people are kind of kind of ignoring that. They're not paying attention. The young people are really showing their asses. Parties are still going on. Weddings are still going on. The police have to break up weddings, parties. Um, I saw a clip on Twitter where there was, I think this was in, was in Augusta, Georgia, and it, there were uh, youths of color playing basketball, like it's any old, like it's just any 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 other day, and police come by. The police had to play. They would not break up the game unless the police got involved and played. And they, I mean, I can't believe this is real, but it looked to be real. The police lost, and then they let the, and they let them continue. So th- this is this is where we're going to lose. People just insist on not hunkering down. And getting real. Uh, any thoughts, Captain? We've got a couple of clips to play. Uh, some short clips. If it gets worse, just saying hypothetically, if it gets worse, it'd be like uh, like how you see the sci-fi flicks, where they have like a decontamination chamber where you got to walk in ultraviolet rays for five minutes, and then it's ozone for another five minutes before you enter in the place. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's, what I, that's what I was. That's, that's what I was saying. Happens. That's yeah. what I was saying. I, I looked on eBay, and you can, you too can buy a hazmat decontamination shower. I, I'm looking at this. I can see that, man. If it gets worse, that is. If it gets worse. Now, now, well, look, new world. <laughs> getting worse is just one thing. Getting worse is like I, I don't have any doubts that we'll get beyond this. But the worst part is there's talk of even worse viruses than the, corona, right. the particular now coronavirus. You're now so, you're if talking, this, boy. so if this is the case, then you know, you're going to be seeing a lot of incremental changes. I think, I think there should be incremental changes now. But again, mm-hmm. you, have, you have a POTUS, President of the United States, that, that a large amount, a large um, segment of the population – Voted in, and they seem to bolster this guy's idiocy. He can't do any 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 wrong. I mean, you have Doctor <laughs> Fauci's become, excuse me, Doctor Fauci's becoming a superstar. 
Uh, and he, you know, the president says one thing, the Dr. Fauci comes in and Ooh, then well. cleans him up. You got drool coming out your mouth, sir. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to play this clip. I see that uh, Bison wants to come in, so we're going to bring him in in a moment. Uh, That's funny. And I say something else. I, I have a clip from CNN from a few days ago with Anderson Cooper and um, uh, Dr. Gupta and Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. And it, it is – I was mesmerized, Captain, that when you hear people who have true intellect, mm-hmm. everything they say has substance. Mm-hmm. And, we, and the people that are running the running the show now, you you can you can tell with the empty words and the the sophistry and all that kind of thing. It's it's um it's quite telling. So and, and I looked at like I, I was thinking to myself, wow, we should Bill Gates should be president <laughs> because <laughs> because uh, Doctor Gupta, who again is a medical doctor was listening with great intensity. Again, he has the medical degree. Um, Gates is a college dropout, right? However, I mean, he's the, he, he made Microsoft. He's like the reason why you and I are, and all of our listeners are able to actually converse the way we are now, actually, in some respects. So um, his, his company, but he's a real billionaire. He's a real... Uh, a real, he has real brain work where you can clearly see, like on the math side of the game, he's able to uh, balance out what Gupta might say medically. Um, Gates can run the numbers. So they were going back and forth in perfect synergy about how this kind of thing works out when you run the numbers. And I appreciated that. Wow, you know, if you had someone. If you have to, if you have to vote in a billionaire, which is, seems to be where we're going, these oligarchs. If you want to do that, you gotta have somebody who has like a, a certifiable business and a certifiable mind that everything they say has substance. So I'm gonna play a couple of minutes of Bill Gates, Dr. Gupta, and Anderson Cooper. Hold on. So even in because folks look people who want sort of county by county or say you know well, let's get back online faster say well look in some states there's less than 200 cases in many states there, there's less than, than 200 cases right now you're saying even in those states uh, the same kind of shutdown needs to occur well let's say you have 100 cases and let's say you don't do a shutdown, then it grows 33% per day. So you take 100, you get 1,000, you get 10,000. It's exponential growth. If you're not stopping it, they, you, the sooner you in, engage in the shutdown, the easier it is to get to that peak. We have, we have not peaked. Uh, you know, the parts of the country that aren't shut down by the in late April, we should start to see the numbers peak there. They'll still be too high to open up. So you'll probably have to go another month to really get those numbers down. But any part of the country that has cases, and, and truthfully, because of our uh, problems with testing, because uh, we're not prioritizing testing the right way, that a lot of those places actually do have cases. But even if they have the 100, 
that will grow uh, and people do cross county boundaries. And so basically the whole country needs to do what uh, was done in the part of China where they had these infections. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out again that states that had just a few cases last week uh, have, you know, over a thousand or sometimes two thousand cases this week, to your point, uh, uh, Bill. The other thing I'm, I'm curious about, you know, we keep hearing that the virus is going to dictate the timeline. Uh, Dr. Fauci has said that. When, when you look at this virus, we've got three and a half months worth of data now, 150 countries. If you apply all the analytics that, a, you know, Microsoft, that the, all, all the analytics that we can possibly apply to this, is how this is going to sort of progress and end knowable? I mean, can you, can you give a, a, a clear answer, depending on, on, on what sort of, uh, you know, mitigation measures we have in place? It's very likely that rich countries who uniformly throughout their country do a serious shutdown, that they will able to be able to avoid a high percentage of their population getting infected. That's what the exemplars, like some of the work in China and South Korea, are telling us. Now, as you get to poorer countries, the mm. difficulty of doing the isolation, uh, where you live close by in slums, where you have to go out uh, every day to get your food, uh, it is going to be much, much tougher. And so, uh, you know, by summer, I think the rich countries that have been competently uh, led on this will not have to go back into shutdown. And, uh, you know, from the disease point of view, they'll avoid very large numbers of deaths. And so in that phase, uh, we still will have a challenge with the developing countries. One of the things that Dr. Fauci actually said in our last hour, which really concerned me, and I was asking him about the states that, you know, uh, I think there's more than a dozen or so that have a just a one or 200 reported cases. He was saying how it's critical that, you know, that those states that they have testing there, that they test and that they contact, do contact tracing of all those who are known to be infected to really right now when the numbers are still low, track it all. And then I asked him, he was using a lot of uh, um, sort of for, uh, future verbs about things needing to happen or plans. It didn't sound like, I asked him if it was actually happening now. He said it needs to happen a lot more. From what you're saying, it, it's got to it's gotta be happening right now because if there's not that contact tracing in places where it seems like it hasn't really hit, we're going to see it hit. That's right. I mean, we wish that we'd... In shut down even sooner in places like New York, then you would have uh, not had the medical overload that uh, is such a, a huge challenge for them. Uh, unless you're going to partition the country, the whole country has to be in this together. Uh, and we're not, you know, I don't see us making people not cross county lines or something like that. So it really is how many cases are in the country and have we adopted, in terms of testing, uh, testing prioritization, contact tracing, the right things? But the good news is we're seeing that countries that pay that price, which is a gigantic price, mm. then uh, the percentage of Chinese that are infected is like 0.01%. And so now, you know, stores are open there and closed in the rest of the world. Uh, you know, that's, I'm not sure you call it good news, but I, Totally agree with what Dr. Fauci said. He's been a, a very positive voice about the numbers driving this, and those numbers are very uncertain. 
because of the uh, still the disorganization of, of the testing capacity and where it's directed. You know, it, it strikes me that, I mean, you, you know the world of public health very well, and you know the, the, the world of the economy very well, financial world very well. They, they seem to be pitted against each other, and I don't know, really know much about the financial world at all, but I think there's this idea, <laughs> Bill, that, that maybe you can be a little incremental here, right? Yes, we need to uh, listen to the public health guidance and all that, but can we be a little incremental, start getting some things back to work, you know, so that we don't, you know, really devastate the economy that much? What, how, how, do you, how do you respond to that? Until we get the number of cases in the country down to small numbers where we can be doing testing and isolation against those small numbers, we need to make this our top priority. And it is super painful to drive this very high degree of social isolation I, I call shutdown. The middle course really isn't there because it's hard to say, oh, go back to the theater for a week, you know, maybe or maybe not you'll be infected or infecting people. Uh, you know, until we get the certainty we've hit these low numbers, uh, you know, I doubt even if you told people uh, that they should be buying new houses and cars and, uh, you know, hanging out in restaurants, I doubt uh, they're going to want to do that. You know, people want to protect older people. They want to protect their parents. And you know, so the sooner, you know, we take this medicine, which is tough medicine, the sooner we'll be out of it and not have to go back into it again. And, and All right. I'm going to cut it there because it's rather lengthy. But it's, I like to hear people who know what they're talking about. And it's like night and day. And the, the, there's been this, and I've said it incessantly on this show, that um, we're paying a price as a collective, and I just, just cross-racially, just, just American people, we're paying a price and have been paying a price for quite some time with the lampooning intelligence. We've been doing this for quite some time, even if you go back to the um, Revenge of the Nerds movies in the 80s, you know, slapstick kind of comedy and everything. It was always making fun of nerdy people, and now... This is the, this really is the revenge of the nerds because these folks are immensely wealthy, and they kind of have a handle on this stuff, but they know what they're talking about. You need people to run numbers, you need people to be intelligent, and that that this 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 dumb John Wayne uh, pro whiteness, so to speak, that Trump has has uh, engendered. As a collective, we're at, we're pay, paying a price for people who want to just clown the smart people. They they clown President Obama as being professorial, and look where we are now. Uh, under we, look, we don't know what would have happened, but we could theorize that under uh, the Obama administration, we did have we did have he had a pandemic, a, a, a pandemic um, organization. And it was disbanded as soon as Trump got in office because, well, we had Obama's name attached to it. And we're bringing others. Well, well, here's the thing, Affleck. All that, what you're saying, is definitely true. But if this malaria drug works, because <laughs> Trump introduced, introduced it, they're going to call that man a hero. He's going to pull a rabbit out of his ass. If it works. Yeah. Um, it's a... It's a Malaria cocktail, and uh, 
the great actor Daniel Day Kim, who we know from Lost, and also more recently from uh, Hawaii Five-0, the, the the you know the second iteration of it. Um, he did well from it. He he made a very cogent proclamation, but he also said, "Look, this was my this was my experience with it." And he said he's, he's around ninety five. He's ninety five percent himself. So he, with under the tutelage of a, of his doctor, he took this this cocktail. And I think, like you said, they are working on doing something with some of the heavier cases in New York. So I mean. There's a lot of money being lost, and I hate to think that money is, is the motivating motivating um, catalyst. <laughs> but the kind of the kind of money, the kind of real money that's being lost. Because I lost a lot of money, and I'm a little guy, and I'm like, I can imagine what the big guy has lost. I don't even want to look at my my 401ks. So, um, no. Anyway, um, let's bring in Bison. And then we're gonna play some music, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna mix it up. We're, we're not gonna stay on COVID all the way through. You know, most of the show we're call, talking about it because look, that's the reality. But and uh, uh, we'll we'll talk about it. I mean, I, we're gonna also lighten the load because I, I've gotten my fair share of people. As I said, uh, I don't think, I don't know if I mentioned that the the executive that called me said that he he couldn't he couldn't take any more information. He's inundated with information. And I, I've, I've come across quite a few people that they call me and say, you know what, this 24-7 COVID thing, we, we have um, Cuomo, Cuomo and de Blasio as like their own, they, they might as well take the place of, of Anderson Cooper. They have, they, they're doing a fine job of, of themselves around the clock giving us um, information on COVID. Anyway, let me bring in Bison. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Hope all what's up, man? Oh yeah, how are you? How are you making out? I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to be on lockdown until June. Come out looking like um, um, some '70s action figures with my yeah. afro. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I can't get my hair cut. Um, as you, you, you gentlemen, brought some very salient points, and we don't know how this thing is going to end. Um, I know one thing, if you follow the markets, we're already in a recession. Anybody tells you anything else, it's crazy. And this week is going to prove it because, you know, rent's due, mortgage due, bills are due, cable bills due, whatever's due. A lot of people are going to say they don't have it. But the, the thing that's just more disheartening, what you touched on, is how many people are ignoring this. That's why the governor of my state, you know, people went to the beach and they act like it was Labor Day down here. They went to the beach, they went to the park, so he just slapped down a, you know, one of the longer, you know, stay-at-home edicts. And there's a video going around. I can't afford it. I can't embed it. I'm gonna try to show it. They had a birthday party in L.A. for a one-year-old. A bunch of nods were there, and the L.A. police came in and broke it up. And you hear people saying, oh, it's just a one-year-old birthday party. People just don't get it. They don't get the seriousness of this. They don't get the seriousness of this. You know, so, you know, you got the you got the hotel community putting out one thing. You got, you know, you got the far-right community putting out something else. 
Then you got, you know, Trump with these press, you know, literally they, they're literally becoming commercials for whatever corporate head is coming through there. Today, some guy from some pillow company was just so, I didn't watch it. I don't watch it because I, I know where this is going. But this is what happens when you don't have leadership at the top. And Cuomo and, and I don't want to, maybe the boss, I don't know, I'm not just too wired into him. Is kind of providing that, but eventually, when these hospitals start filling up, I mean, like they're doing, and these morgue trucks start rolling out, I bet people are going to realize it then. And now on on social media, I'm seeing um, media personalities and people I know and groups I know, you know, you know, who relatives are dying. Literally, you know, I saw my uncle last week, and today he died of um, that. So who knows? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. There's a uh, BuzzFeed has a piece about a social media influencer, a mother, a mother with five children, by by the way. She's a New York City influencer who is leaving New York City. Now, uh, Trump has already threatened to 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 quarantine the entire state, you know, just to prevent what's happening in New York to spread out nationally. He might have a point there. I mean, you know, we used, we used to fantasize about Escape from New York. Again, another post-apocalyptic thing. I think uh, they went as far as like, well, I, th- I think it was like 1990, I think it was the, the date. I mean, the, 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 mo- the movie took place in 81 or 82, but I think it was like 1995. Or ni- no, 1997. 90, <laughs> see, they, they couldn't really go far, really far ahead enough. That's why you look at it you know, more fondly and comically. But um, this woman is being defiant and taking her children cross-country on some, I don't know, some Instagram thing. And health experts are saying this is like one of the most irresponsible, thing to, irresponsible things to do. And it's just, I mean, can you believe this person is leaving Manhattan to go across-country? We, we don't know if you're infected. No, she could be infected just passing it around. Now that one person, look, you know, we have to, we have to, we have to be mindful. Uh, it's a funny thing about New York. Everything is, you know, that's maybe why New Yorkers are, are kind of arrogant. Many of us are stereotypically, stereotypically arrogant. But you know, the story of Typhoid Mary, origin, you know, I know it's a comic book character, but it was a real person to those, you know. Yeah, uh, yes, we saw Typhoid Mary in, um, I think, the second the second Iron Fist, those who did see it. Anyway, Typhoid Mary was a, was a real person in New York who unknowingly spread, what, what was it? Well, typhoid, typhoid fever. So um, she didn't show any signs of it, but typhoid was like a major deal. And now, you know, it's funny that be, being the things that, are ha- the things that are happening in New York, obviously, the story of Typhoid Mary is, is coming into more prominence. So uh, we've been here before, and this woman also was spreading it around unknowingly and killing people. She infected like 50-some-odd people. Well, you this know what's going to this... happen. You know what's going to happen. They're already stopping people with tags. I say if it grows, I say by the next few weeks they're gonna start shooting people. 
That sounds some crazy, <laughs> crazy shit. But you know, get back. You know, that sounds Boom. crazy. Yep. You know, literally, I mean, you are gonna start seeing videos of them breaking up large groups. They doing that now, and, I, and you know, got you know, you have states like Florida and what have you. They, you know, if you got New York tag, you know, some people in there ain't letting you in. I think Rhode Island won't let you in the state. So let, let me. Let, let me mention something about, more about that. Let me ask you one question, Alvin. Have you been hearing a lot of ambulances all day long? Over by me, you that's can, all I've been hearing, man. You asking me? Yes. Um, you know what? Not really. I've I've heard more helicopters. <laughs> Ghetto oh, birds, wow. as they say. <laughs> Ghetto birds. A lot of ambulances, <laughs> man. Like every 15 minutes, this is what I'm hearing over here. Wow. I'm wondering. That's crazy, cause that that that's yeah. like a that's like a sure sign. Uh, I wanted to mention more about ty- typhoid Mary because what have I said in the show? I've said that, as well, it's a it's a known quote that history doesn't repeat but it rhymes. So now the the ignorance of this mother, this influencer, a hundred years after typhoid Mary, you start to see like this same arrogance going on. So I'm, I, cause I, I've, I've read Ty, I've read Typhoid Mary just because it's a fascinating story. I, I like old New York stories, um, even though this is a this is a horrific story. But just to, just to show you how this kind of works and how it worked worked in the 1900s. So it says here at some at some point I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but I'm looking I'm looking this looking this up. Um, I know at some point that they were able to determine that she was the carrier. Right now, Typhoid Mary was a cook. Now think about that. Think what that means. Somebody being. It's another thing too, Captain. I'm seeing. I'm seeing people. I'm seeing Nogs going to Burger King and McDonald's. Like just, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't. I don't. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. We we've seen because of the 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 ring. You know the ring bell uh, system. The ca- no, the 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 cameras cameras that are hooked up. And you're seeing more and more cases of people who are sadistically and purposely Amazon drivers spitting on packages. Uh, Some woman uh, sneezed and like wiped the sneeze on takeout food for this for this uh, family. And the family ate the food and then looked at the footage after that. So they were freaking out. So you have people who are sociopaths, like people who look to be like just regular people just doing stuff. Uh, some woman, I believe in Pennsylvania, she she coughed on purpose, went, went into a supermarket, coughed, perhaps spat on a, 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 a whole like entire meat section where $35,000 worth of meat had to be removed in a time yeah, where people... I, saw that. I mean... What what what? <laughs> this is America. Didn't Donald Glover say that? People was doing that before the pandemic. Little stupid stuff like that. I worked in fast food in, in another life. I can tell you some stories. Well, fast food I know, but I didn't know like going to a supermarket where you're like coughing on entire sections of of food during a pandemic. Thirty five k in meat had to be removed. Let me read this quickly about how this woman, 
was adamant. And she she kind of sort of reminds you of the, the the you know the well she look this is nineteen oh seven nineteen ten so she was the millennial of, millennial of her day, and she sounds a whole lot like this millennial influencer with five kids that wants to take her children across country during a damn pandemic. Anyway, first quarantine nineteen oh seven nineteen ten. This is again again the typhoid Mary story. Uh, Mary Mallon, by the way, is is her real name, hence typhoid Mary. Um, first quarantine. The New York City Health Inspector determined she was a carrier. Under Sections 1169 and 1170 of the Greater New York Charter, Mallon was held in isolation for three years at a clinic located in North Brother Island. In prison, she was forced to give stool and urine samples. Authorities suggested removing her gallbladder. They were rugged back then because they believed typhoid bacteria resided there. However, she refused as she did not believe she carried the disease. She was also unwilling to cease working as a cook. Mallon attracted so much media attention that she was called Typhoid Mary in a 1908 issue of the Journal of the American Medical Association. Um, then she had a second quarantine, release and second quarantine. Upon her release, Mallon was given a job as a laundress, which paid less than cooking. Now, this is from 1915 to 1938. After several unsuccessful years of working as a laundress, she changed her name to Mary Brown and returned to her former occupation despite having been explicitly instructed not to. So she, she still was like cooking, not believing in uh, her situation, and still affecting people. Horrible person. Anyway, um, let's, go to Q, let's go to Q-Storm. Q-Storm, what's up, man? <coughs> Hello, gentlemen. Welcome back, for for better or for worse. Uh, oh, like yes. you said, uh, I'm starting a little like fiddler in roots because uh, can't. I don't know how to use clippers. There, my brothers are telling me, yeah, don't you have a pair of clippers? I'm like, no. Uh, but I wanted to um, address. Well, you've already hit on all the points I was going to make when I first uh, when I when I hit the one button on my phone. But so I will address. Um, in regards to eating the food, going eating fast food, <clears throat> I won't lie. I've gone and gotten some takeout from established restaurants, you know, because – and this is just a rationale. I'm not saying – I don't recommend you do that, but um, it's my understanding that the, the virus itself, the components of the virus are very fragile. It just it spreads very quickly, and the, um, the symptoms – you can be asymptomatic while – carrying it but the the virus itself and it's not it's not even a virus it's a protein dna molecule i think i read somewhere but it dies under heat so i've i've heard from and i have cnn on literally 24 7 or whenever i'm awake let's say and you know they've got like you said i think you alluded to this you know anderson cooper Sanjay Gupta, he's pretty much another anchor on that on that channel now, uh, and other people whose names I don't remember. They've all said that you, if you go get takeout, you're more <clears throat> apt to get the virus from the bags that they hand to you than you are getting it from the food because the food has been cooked. Having said that, I stopped eating sushi a while ago, but. Um, since you already took up all my points, I just wanted to add that into the into the conversation. 
Yeah, I, I'm a little. I just can't do it, Q. You know, I I hear what you're saying, and at, there's a time times that I would I would like to add something as you know just as a as a snack that way, but I'm just a little too freaked out by it. I'm I'm too freaked out by human behavior. I'm I, just seeing things again. I don't blame you at all. <laughs> I mean. When you see pictures of people sticking cheese fragments up their nose and putting it on the uh, on the uh, Domino's pizza, that alone, even without a pandemic, always makes you cautious have, about going out and get food. We have scientists sticking magnets up their nose. So <laughs> I don't know if you saw that story. I think he was actually trying to do something good for for the coronavirus, There's some kind of way of detecting like the mild, the, 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 the very droplet that allegedly one can inhale. He's doing something something scientific allegedly, but it, nevertheless he ended up getting magnets stuck on his nose so much so that he had to have um, a medical intervention. And of course his colleagues used this as a as a moment to, to you know to really lampoon him. But it does sound crazy as all get out, I must say. But hey, it's can, going can, down. Can I say one thing? I, I, I went to lead off with this. It just came back to me. So. Blessings, I'm not a religious guy, but blessings to you guys up in New York. You guys are unwillingly the epicenter of this thing now. Uh, It went from Seattle to New York. You guys are the epicenter. But I tell you what, you guys should be proud of your governor because he is fighting for you guys. And he needs to be uh, – I'm I'm sure you're familiar with the the journalist Eugene Robinson. Oh, yeah, of course. he writes for the Washington Post, probably. Yeah, he's out of he's Brooklyn. Out of Brooklyn? He's out of, uh, oh, wow. yeah, he's out of uh, Crown Heights, believe it or not. All right. Well, he said something on Meet the Press that I think more and more people, more and more journalists who are putting in the work, are, 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 he said something I think they would agree with. He said that more and more President Trump, and I, I hate saying president in front of his name, Trump is becoming more and more irrelevant. When he does these press conferences, it's about – I think one of you touched on this too. He brings up these corporate people. He stands there and just recites like a parrot what the experts tell him to say. He might go off script and just basically go against what they've said, like when he wanted to open up for Easter, and then Fauci had to say, you know, don't listen to him. Uh, <laughs> and, and every time he says something, <clears throat> when they cut back to CNN with Wolf Blitzer or anyone else or, you know, they then bring on professionals who say, basically, nah, nah, playboy, it's not like that. <laughs> so he he is becoming more and more irrelevant. And some, I think Bison hit on this. This is everyone was saying when Trump entered office, they were saying, oh my God, I hope we don't have a conflict or a confrontation with another country or something like, or a conflict or, you know, what we didn't realize was that I think this is far worse. This is the conflict that no one saw coming that I'd rather be dealing with Iran than dealing with this because this is an invisible enemy, and he is not a leader. He is not prepared. He is not the guy to be running the country for this. Oh, my apologies. Really? I got confused there. I got confused there. You said Eugene Robinson. I know him too. When you said Eugene Robinson, I was thinking of Errol Lewis. Errol Lewis is a journalist who's out of Brooklyn, but I know Eugene Robinson also. Yeah. Yeah, as, I, thought as, uh, he was out of D- I thought he was out of D.C. You're correct. Yeah, Errol Robinson, I, I know both of them. But, yeah, I know Errol Robinson. Yeah, so, my apologies. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead, um, go ahead, Captain. No, I wasn't going to say anything. You could definitely see that. But let me add this. You could definitely see Trump 
is totally inept in this. He, he doesn't know what's going on, man. This is, you're, you're, out, you're out of the element. Here's the problem when, when you're a rich guy all your life. This is what happens. Everybody knows that Trump is whatever, whatever, whatever. But just talking from a rich guy perspective, when a rich guy gets a problem, what do they do? Throw him a hundred grand, throw him two hundred thousand, throw him a million dollars. That's what they understand. The problem goes away. You put the weight of the United States on this, and it is not going away. You're not going to understand how to move in any which way, way or form. You need somebody up there who has been through, let's say, like this. Uh, I got this here. I got a, my kidney needs new shoes. I got to pay my rent. I got to pay this bill. I got to do something else. But I only can do these two things. What do I do? And then you you figure it out. They they understand because they go through conflict. They go through strife. So they know how to move in a conflict or strife situation. Trump ain't going to understand that. Trump's a rich guy. He don't understand that. All of his life, he just throws some money at something. It's going, to, it's going to disappear. Now you're in a situation. It ain't disappearing, baby. What do you do? And it's clearly he don't know what to do. <laughs> so if, Cap, Cap let me, can, if I can pick it, if, if Alfredo doesn't mind, if I can piggyback off that, <clears throat> I hear what you're saying, but it, it's not even a matter of whether or not it's a wealthy person or not. Bill Gates is a wealthy person, but uh, my wife hit me hit me onto him. Uh, he was on. He spent like an hour with uh, Anderson Cooper last night, and this guy broke down minute by minute, word for word, how this uh, pandemic is going to play out. Because he's been studying this stuff. Yeah, but Bill Gates is also a computer person, so it's going to be a little different, also. Well, that, okay, well that may be, but I'm saying you don't have to be. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy, and even if you are wealthy, you know, let's let's look at a, let's look at Cuomo. I'm sure he's a millionaire. Uh, but now these people, uh, Obamas, uh, the Obamas, the Obamas, the Clintons, the people who, Obama, Clinton, all these people who have been, pre- Bush, they may have had money at some point. They probably had but, money. But the, but, the, but, the, but, the, but the, it's not about, always about, I got to pay my rent, I got to uh, put my sh- put shoes on my kids' feet. These guys went through some of the most rigorous academic programs in the country. That's part of it, too. You think Trump actually attended all his classes at Univers- uh, Wharton Business School? And he, well, he's not, he's, he, Trump hasn't been through conflict. All right? that? That's what it comes down to. All right? He hasn't been through conflict. Okay. Well, I, would, well, I, think, I, I think the part that, that, that's telling him this is they're pushing the corporate interests more so than the people interests. If they think $1,200 is going to solve all the problems with people, literally, you have you have whole professions that went away overnight. And $1,200 is not going to last any. You have countries like Canada, countries giving $2,000, $4,000 uh, a month for the next six months. I was going to, I was going to mention that, that um, really what's happening and frightening is we see that a – a light is being is being shown on American exceptional American exceptionalism, alleged American exceptionalism. Because when you think of Justin Justin Trudeau, who's a young guy by the way, Justin Trudeau is he, he's giving out really wage um, enhancement for the duration two thousand two thousand a month I believe, versus this twelve hundred or something whatever it is, which is like a one time pay. Like how do, how do you let Canada Best you, 
like between between the socialized medicine and and covering the citizens for 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 wages for two thousand uh, a month or something to that effect. It's more it's you know it's more of a of a repeated thing versus like a one time pay. I mean, like what's happening to, with, in Canada is like far more realistic with dealing with, pe- with the situation that, that people are actually dealing with. So I mean, well, it, it kind of shows it kind of shows up America, doesn't it? Well, okay, I'm, I'm not. You can't be worse. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not. I just want to be fair. Just to be fair, I'm not defending anything. I don't disagree with you, but just to be fair, you know, Canada does have a much higher. Uh, much higher tax rates than we do. And um, I forgot my second point. But, but um, yeah, so they probably have a they, they probably have a lot more in their coffers to be able to do that. Oh, the second point I was going to make was I I hadn't heard that this um, the – I'm not going to call it a stimulus. I'm going to call it a, a bridge loan. That's what they call it, a bridge, uh, bridge loans. It's not a one-time check, as far as I was, as far as I understand. It's not just a one-time uh, reimbursement. I could be wrong about that. It's like two of them I, you're getting. I know you're getting two, right? May, well, yeah. Well, again, you know, we, we're talking about Canada. is talking about wage, a, a true wage subsidy. This is even going back into what Andrew Wang was talking about. It's being like called a wage. Yeah, Cuba, even Cuba. It, well, you know, Cuba's medical system is it, we are many of our doctors, even our black doctors, have trained in Cuba. So mm-hmm. all of this discussion of anti-socialism, and I'm not necessarily the socialism guy, but I'm a realist that know, that that is aware that there are going to be some things that the government is going to have to be behind that would be a type of socialism. So. You know, I'm confused by why everyone is, is you know, this, what's happening now with Trump, where they want to give him all these accolades and he's kind of inept. And you see other people like like Cuomo. Cuomo's, Cuomo, his um, spotlight spotlight is actually being on him now. Now he's he's coming off. He's actually uh, coming coming off more of a leader than Trump. Hell yeah. He's trending. He's trending quite a bit. You know, he's straightening out the millennials, telling them to knock it off. Uh, I like I like I like Cuomo more so. I wasn't necessarily a Cuomo fan before, but when it when it comes down to the real deal, he's a little bit more well, a little bit quite exponentially more effective than Donald Trump. Donald Trump's just talking out of his ass, literally. <laughs> Young anyway, do you th- do you do you guys think this this might be one of the first negative things? You're breaking up. You're breaking up. Repeat that. Yeah. Is, it, is this better? Yeah. Yeah. Is this better? better? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think this would be uh, one of the first uh, major negative things that happened to the United States they don't blame black people for? <laughs> Asian, so the reason Asian, I'm saying that, I, reason Asian I'm saying people, that, and, you know, they were Asian people saying are the proxy for black people. Yeah. There are fools who were saying that black people and Africans couldn't get this. In the last few days, I've seen fraternity members, people who gone to Howard, people, you know, people in my circles and churches, blah, 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 who are getting this and dying from this. So 
you know, I hope this. I hope the Hotep wing of, of the black community gets a quick wake up call because this thing, this thing is just sweeping through literally like, um, you know, like something out of the Bible, man. They just taking everybody out. And and you all have heard the news that black. Well, I'm sure it's. I heard it for the first time today. And again, my sources. I I, I don't. I, I own it. My sources are CNN and CBS, right? This Dr. Fauci, who really is leading the country right now, he said it, it wouldn't be unreasonable to assume that if we flatten the curve, which we don't seem to be willing to do. There was a pastor in Louisiana who just got arrested for having services where 1,200 yeah. people attended his church. That. That's crazy. Um, but if we don't flatten the curve, up to 100,000, maybe 200,000 people in this country will die. And this thing could come back in the fall. Yeah, well, yeah, there was that. there was there was a second wave with the with the Spanish flu. I mentioned that at the top of the show that uh, hopefully our medical advances will are beyond 1918. But in 1918, uh, there was a second wave where the second wave the death count was higher than the first wave. So we got to really hope that a with three things. One, it, that we do get a handle on social distancing, the, the actual quarantine effect, and we actually um, kind of ameliorate the, the kind of exposure that the virus can, can actually uh, produce, lessen the exposure. B, hopefully this cocktail is actually effective. Like that, that, that cocktail could actually cleave a lot of the nonsense. That's what they're hoping for. That's what Trump is because Trump does that. It's going to be uh, what did I mention last week? Mission accomplished. The way the way that Bush, you know, what he did with the Iraqi war. This is going to be one of those deals. Um, yep. and, and if we get a vaccine before, so there will not be a second wave. There's a lot of different factors that have to kind of play in order for this thing to work out. Um, you know, like I said before, maybe this you know the, the need to make money. Is so powerful. <laughs> what I think it is that the wealthy people say, "Okay, enough of this. We're going to have to figure this out." I don't know. I really don't know. But people, by all accounts, though, the numbers are not going to be anywhere near the Spanish flu. But it's still going to be bad. I think Spain is going through it right now as well. Spain's numbers are crazy. You know, we should we should call that Spanish flu the Kansas flu. I'm just throwing that out there. Well, Why? Because it originated in Kansas. They call it Spanish flu. What's the big deal? Spanish people are not complaining about it. What's the big deal? Well, I'm saying if we. I don't like. I didn't like Trump calling this the Chinese virus because Chinese it people. It was the Chinese virus, man. It came from China. It's a well, let me let me just. Can I just finish though? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't need to be. I, I I would I would rather be politically politically correct if I know well, it's I'm going not. to save people's lives. I don't need to I'm see not. Chinese people beaten up because of ignorance. So I can stop okay. calling it Chinese virus. People are ignorant. Get it right. It's Chinese virus. It came from Wuhan, China. What are you talking about? Get it right. Too bad. Wow. Okay. That's right. Too bad. All right. It's like hey, you got black plague. You don't hear no blacks talk about, oh, well, this is called Black Plague because it's 2020. It should be called that. This is Black Plague. It's what it's called. Actually, I, I, actually, not to correct you, but I have heard black people saying that they don't like <laughs> it being referred to as Black Plague. 
Well, and I don't see what's wrong with that. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it, but it's too bad. It's called black pain. Get over it. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't want to get off track here, but there is a scientific name assigned to this disease it's called COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2. So we could call it that instead of calling it the racist Chinese virus. We could. We could. Definitely. I agree with that. I thought you, I thought you believe in science. So there you go. Anyway, gentlemen, uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, you know, I, I, because I have time, more time now. I'm, you know, I'm doing all. I'm not only am I working at home, but I'm also looking at TV, TV shows, listening to music, um, finding new music. As, I, as I'm always lis- listening and finding new music anyway. But I've been honing in more on on Prince music that kind of slipped by me. There's a as much as a Princeologist I I say that I am. There's some there's some records like in the 90s and early aughts that if I didn't get past the um, the first couple of singles, which is really not my way, early Prince I listened to everything. But you know, it's, some of his later work can be highly disputed, and it's funny now that uh, I find myself listening to, the listening the way I did it for his early work. Some some of these songs are quite interesting and intricate and have their own little stories, even though they weren't really given any uh, radio play. So I discovered this song, Valentina, and I didn't know that. I mean, when I heard because you know I heard the song with great you know the first time I heard the lyrics clearly, I said he's talking about Selma Hayek. Matter of fact, he's talking about Selma Hayek's daughter. So I'm like, this guy was um, – well, that, that whole international player thing with Prince is kind of um, pretty accurate if you read between the lines with, with, uh, with uh, Selma Hayek and, and it just it, listen to the song, what he's saying. I, I just think it's funny, and I dig it. Anyway, this is Valentina Prince, two and a half minutes, and then we'll be right back, and we'll, we'll get it in the game. Anyway, hold on. Hey Valentina, tell your mama she should give me a call When she gets tired of running after you down the hall Before you came on to the scene, it was a Hollywood man Your mama was a movie queen, she was one of the best Every boy had the hot for her Around the world, even girls adored Mexican bombshell, come to conquer the way Mama 
Broken up slang, even when the king of Hollywood ain't that tall. Show what said is up, make your mama bigger than them all. Hear me, y'all. Alternative stuff. 
I digress. Anyway, I kind of dig it. Valentina by Prince, Lotus Flower. Anyway, we're back. we got a little bit under 30 minutes remaining. We're doing a somewhat of a shorter show for us in between formats. Um, and I'll send you a link, Captain, to you know the the new the new format, and you know, we'll we'll work it out. Anyway, let me let me. Um, I see that Sergio from Chi Town. Let's bring him in, and then I I kind of want to move things a little bit beyond COVID. We can we we can address COVID because COVID is going to be with us. Hopefully not personally, but um, it's going to be around for a while as far as our dealing with it. Anyway, Sergio Mims. Chicago. Sergio, what's up, man? How are you, by the no, way? No, I, I turned in a few ten minutes ago, and once again, I am not of the doom or gloom, this is the end of the world thing. Yeah, this is a serious situation. We will get through it, and you know what? Probably from now on for the rest of, for the rest of our lives, there will always be the COVID thing, just like, you know, when AIDS first came around. And then everybody was doom and gloom and AIDS, and now people know that there is something called AIDS, and you continue with your life. Um, one interesting thing, though, was that I don't know if you saw the the piece uh, yesterday on 60 Minutes about what's happening in New York hospitals. I don't know what's happening in New York, I swear to God. You know, half the cases in the United States are in New York alone. Um, but then... <clears throat> You put your garbage out on the street in plastic bags. So, <laughs> so um, they asked this woman, one of the doctors, is do you see any common factor of people who come in with serious cases of of the code of, uh, uh, um, coronavirus or those who don't make it? Is there anything, any common thing? And she said. In a lot of cases, in most cases, it's obesity. And that's something that hasn't been really talked about. Uh, mainly men and mainly overweight men who are suffering the most, just like what's happening in Italy. Italy is still out of control. You know, Italy is literally going to become a country for no old men because there's not going to be any left. And the reason why is because 85% of the cases in Italy are men over the age of 70, and half of those are men over the age of 80. So um, that's my piece. You know, yes, I am staying home. I haven't really been out. You know, I, um, you know, I take it as a ghost. Yeah, I think that's that's the plan for all of us, Sergio. Unfortunately, I think that um, the the prudent thing to do is to remain home as best as you can. I mean, many of us, you know, we do have to venture out occasionally, but you need to be very, you know, very shrewd about where you go and how you kind of navigate. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I went grocery shopping, uh, like, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. And I just noticed some things that were disturbing. Um, a like lot what? of people, well, a lot of people weren't really covered up, but it was still people, like it was enough people covered up that it was like a few sprinkles of people that were not, like just very carefree about it. You know, just, um, it was a little warmer and they're wearing like summer clothes and they have children holding hands and it's like, you have your kid out, 
Like I just I just think you should look like you're serious. When I see other people covered up like it's a real thing, like before I, I started doing this a little earlier, and, I, I, and even so far when I went to the office and my colleagues were laughing at me when I had uh, like two weeks ago when I had gloves on and I had a mask and it was it, they they thought it was funny. Now most people have were dressed like I was dressed. No, well, matter of fact, like it was... go ahead. Matter of fact, something I used to do, I don't know if I mentioned this on air before, but on occasion when we have meals at the office or the company splurges on meals, I would, I was, when it came to pizza, I would be the guy for years that would have, uh, when I would pry apart a pizza, I would use napkins to buy, to, napkins that, to, pry, pry, to pry apart pizza, whereas my colleagues would just, Use their naked hands, and undoubtedly the third slice would go to somebody else that was touched by somebody else's hand. I never, I saw, I peeped that years ago, and people looked at me like, oh, he's being a little, he's being a little too extra. Now I don't look like, I, now I don't look so extra. I don't look so well, extra now. Well, first of all, you know, I never eat in the, I never eat in those open air buffet things, or heat buffets. I never do that because I don't know who's going to be sneezing over that food. You know, there's no guard, protector guards. Who's going to be sneezing over the food and that stuff? But I go back. Sorry. Don't worry. I don't have it. I go back to what Andrew Fauci said when I saw him interviewed by Trevor Noah on The Daily Show. And it was a really great, sensible interview. And he said, the masks are not really the thing. What what need is that? Okay, if you sneeze or cough, always have a handkerchief or something to cover your face. If someone sneezes in front of you, cough, move away from them quickly. And also, wash your hands. Wash your hands. And by the way, I'm talking, I have a friend of mine who's in his 70s who came down with this. And I got the news today that he's doing remarkably well. Um, they, they said the doctors are amazed by his progress. I just got the news from him today, about him today. He's he's a film producer. He's a, a very respected man here in Chicago. Um, uh, has made many documentaries. I, well, if you guys know Hoop Dreams, that's one of the documentaries he produced. Yeah, I'm and, with it. Uh, and and he uh, has done remarkably well. And he caught it in Australia because he was at a film festival in Melbourne, Australia, and he met a lot of people from all over the world. He shook a lot of hands and was in contact with a lot of people. When he got back to Chicago after a 12- or 14-hour flight, he was sick. Okay? Well, well, let me, uh, well, let me say this. Let me say this. Uh, what you just said, uh, and I'm very glad your friend is doing fine, especially being older, but that's the whole thing. There's no rhyme or reason or textbook to this thing because there's people half his age that did not have any kind of underlying symptoms, were not necessarily obese. I mean, really young, you know, between 30 and 40 or younger, one or two coughs or, you know, you heard stories like, well, he, he or she had a cough, and then a few days later she was, they, were, they were gone. They expired. There's a one-year-old that died recently. I mean, you know, there's no rhyme or reason. That, that, that whole thought, this, this invulnerability that these millennials thought that they had, that's turning out to be false. 
And like you say, conversely, you can have a person that's older that's supposed to be the supposed to be the problem, or or, or, or be the one you have to look out for, and they're surviving it. So th- th- there's no rhyme to this. We don't know. We don't know how this really plays out. You don't want to be anywhere also, near this thing. Can I say also something else? As, as I suspected, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. As I suspected, this thing has been around for a long time. It didn't just have started in January. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. Uh, I've known her for 30 years. She lives in New Mexico. Uh, she has two twin daughters who are 22, 23, something like that. And both of them got sick in December in Santa Fe. And all the symptoms were the coronavirus symptoms. They're fine now. They're great. But they had this hacking cough. They lost all their energy. They, they had trouble breathing. Uh, one slept for four days straight. It was all the signs. And this was in December, right? So I, I, this is not new. I, I, I guarantee you this has been around since the fall. This has been around, who knows, maybe since last summer. Now, the first person to be to be diagnosed with this was on January 20th but I guarantee you this has been around much longer and um, as I said before and I said it's the luck of the draw I'm sorry folks this is the luck of the draw it's like Russian some people will get it some won't I want to rephrase that some most people won't get it. Some will. Most people who get it will make it. There are a lucky few that will not. Now, they may be older, they may be younger, but that's the way of the world. You know, look, people get cancer. People get tuberculosis. People still get pneumonia. You know, um, um, things happen. You know, 14 million people a die. 14, 14 million people a day die around the world. 14 million, and say a million people in the world say, let's say, die from this, and it looks like it's going to it looks like it's going to hit that number. Okay, you know, still, you can't walk around with fear. I understand all the precautions. You know, what's happening here in Chicago, the streets are deserted, you know, there's a shelter in place. Or I hate that term, social distancing. Let's just say, hey, get out of my space. That's what we should call it. Just get out of my space. I I, I, I want to move forward beyond this because we we will get into it again because, look, we're going to be talking about this for quite some time. But I, I will say this as to what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But I think this has a certain peculiarity to it, Sergio, because, you know, the, the other disorders that you mentioned, they're just not viral like this. They're, they're not um, as insidious. You, you know, we can, we can explain cancer, but you can't catch cancer from another person. You, know, we, you can this catch is, pneumonia this is, from another person. You can catch tuberculosis from another person. Yeah, but it, it, it's still, they still don't – Fauci, the, the medical community is saying this is a little different. And the way that it has stopped business, like all those other, all those other ailments are not stopping the cash flow. When, when your cash flow is stopping, you know this is a little different. And I think we need to be very serious about it. And we're also, we're also uh, depending on other people's behavior trying to get them in line. I just spoke about the famous typhoid Mary case 
which is a New York case, a historical New York case, and that woman was cooking food and continued to cook food, giving orders, quarantined twice. She didn't give a damn. Yeah, she I didn't know, give I know that story. Was, So what I'm saying is, we have imagine typhoid Mary uh, a thousand times over with the kind of attitudes that we're seeing from people. Uh, the influencer I spoke about that's from New York. She's leaving New York. Now, again, she should not be leaving New York. She's leaving New York with her five kids to do some kind of cross-country thing. And these health experts are saying she's crazy. These people, they don't, they don't care. They're all typhoid Mary. They're all typhoid Marys, apparently. That's scary as hell to me. It's arrogant and disrespectful. I'm just saying. Anyway, I want to I mention something, and this is kind of innocuous. And, uh, you know, I heard that, uh, of course, um, Q Storm and Bison spoke about what we're dealing with, the fact that because of the isolation and because of all the small businesses like barbers, that they're closed. And, you know, you know no one really thought about, like, the, the, again, a barber, you know, you're, you go to a barber shop and you're in such close, close proximity and there's such a natural trust that now you have to be leery of that. I mean, I'm seeing videos on YouTube, this is some of the things I'm doing passing my time. I'm looking at all kinds of things. And the fact that my father uh, is a retired barber, um, you know, that's easy for, easier for me. But for, for, um, but for what I'm seeing online, I'm seeing some of the ingenuity. It's like a completely different subject, but I'm seeing some of the ingenuity with some of the, some of the black barbers. Uh, some of these black barbers online are garnering millions of subscribers. Black barbers. So I'm looking at this. I even showed this to the Oracle, and I'm look. You know, we're looking at some of these these these, these um, black barber editing. You know, these kind of fantastic videos, barbershops, and he's looking at it from a different eye because that that that's his profession. And I'm looking at I'm looking at the the, the ingenuity. These are you know, of course, mostly men, but a few women with shorter hair. And I'm saying to myself. Again, you you have a way to 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 circulate the black dollar, even in this even in this business model with all these products that are being that are being pushed. Um, you're seeing the skill level, the skill set. You're seeing a, a multi multiracial thing. You're seeing white people commenting and fascinated with the hairstyles. You're seeing white patronage in these black barbershops because some of these barbershops uh, barbers are so proficient. And uh, like all things, which I've been trying to trying to push on the show, is that there there is a a beauty, there is a business, there is a culture, in 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 blackness that has yet to be explored to my satisfaction. So what am I saying? Uh, the whole notion of good hair and bad hair has to go away. It just, I, don't, I don't know why some people still talk this way, because the way these these gentlemen were able to hook up the hook up these the, the hair the hair quality and all that kind of stuff, I, I, I'm kind of confused. Like why why would a black man with with his quaffed chopped tight why would he why would he still feel inferior to white people? I'm looking at um, uh, hair sponges and even the, the I know. <laughs> I know that um, uh, Bison may look at this comically, but the whole shea butter thing, uh, 
you know, I've seen. I'm like, wow, these guys are really uh, are coming strong, and and the and the white the white young men are coming in to get their ha- their hair in the style of the black of the black man. Well, you were supposed to have bad hair. How is that even possible? Why do we talk? Why are we still talking that way? Like I didn't. I thought the hair. Look, I thought the hair to me, even with Gabriel. Gabriel, um, what's the 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 gymnast? The gymnast that was uh, really cute right, for her I hair. Right, I know you're talking about Gabriel. Um, oh gosh. Um, oh gosh. Why do we draw a blank on her name now? Um. Oh, but go ahead. Um, well, anyway, you know, I, I remember I was in the gym. Gabrielle, Gabby Douglas, Gabby Douglas. Yeah, that's right. I was, okay. I, I was in the gym at the time. That's a whole other thing, too. Like, I need to go back to the gym. When, when, how, how can we go back to the gym? What, happen, what happens to the gym culture now? Because the gym culture is all about being around people and sweating and all that. So the gym culture has kind of screwed me up. But anyway, what I remember seeing that when she was, was, was becoming an Olympian and women – we're clowning her while she's doing a physical, athletic activity about her hair. Like her hair is supposed to be, like some high fashion runway while she's doing while she's trying to get Olympic medals. I don't I don't get it. But the bottom line is, there's nothing wrong with black hair, and, and the the ability to have all these different variations. And you got a whole wave culture, by the way. I mean, you know, the wavers. People who are into waves and that kind of thing. I was, I was thinking, wow, there's a there's a lot to black hair and blackness that 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 is that can be capitalized on, and we can't do that if you keep on calling your hair bad hair. Well, we have something that's going on right in Chicago right now, which is really shameful. You know, our mayor Lori Lightfoot. She right. is a um, out gay woman. She mm-hmm. wears men's clothes, and mm-hmm. uh, she wears she has her hair in an afro, mm-hmm. um, and people have been clowning her as of late because she needs a touch up. Why is she? She's a tailor. She needs to cut them slacks. And I'm like, <laughs> first of all, she's got she has a lot of other things to deal with right now, other than how she looks. Okay, she has other priorities. Number two, why are you going to have to put her down when she has done more and dealt more with this situation than Donald Trump will ever do in his entire life? And why do you have to go after the sister? Why, and this is black people. Why do you always have to go after the sister after the way she looks? This is totally unfair. This is the way she looks. This is the way she always looks. She doesn't have a problem with it. Why do you have a problem with it? So, but they're attacking her hair. And I go, like, come on. Are you serious? Especially now. Yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, well, uh, like I said, um, you know, because of my father being in the business, and I, and I, I grew up having seen when there was a time there was a, there was a quite a few uh, black, well, there still are black barbershops, but my, my father's barbershop was a different kind of barbershop in the sense that um, he catered to a certain kind of clientele. Um, I mean, he, he did all kinds of, you know, because he was a hairstylist and then transitioned into becoming, uh, doing men's hair. Being, but he could, he could, you know, he could do both. But um, the barbershop had uh, uh, vintage photographs, Harlem Renaissance barbershop photographs, uh, Dorothy Dandridge on the wall, 
uh, a Billie Holiday on the wall, uh, that kind of thing. And, you, you know, uh, he retired in the last couple of years, but, you know, he also was retired. As he was exiting out of the business, um, you saw, we, you know, the We Cut Heads, the, the Nog Bobbers, you know, H-E-A-D-Z. And I've spoken about this before, and they have, like, a whole different thing. You know, they're, they're going to have, they're gonna have uh, the notorious big on the wall versus my father having um, Langston Hughes on the wall. You know, it's, 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 a different, it's a different thing, but I will give props where I see it. The fact that they're able to um, be very creative and videotape it and garner interest is one thing. So I think that's something interesting, the only, and also the products. But even with our women, and I mention this because, yes, I do hope that we're able to, because it's a business sector that is very crucial to the black community. That's, it's, it's gone now. Just like comic books, and the comic book, the comic book shop is in trouble. Comic book uh, prints, and we spoke about this uh, last show, have been suspended. And the comic shop, where does, where does the comic shop go? Where does the barbershop go? You know, it's going to come back, but these people, I mean, again, uh, hopefully they, they suspend rents, they suspend mortgages and all that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a while before you can cut hair comfortably and sit there barber chair. But meanwhile, I do think I would like to see black people take control over their culture and be and really double down on the culture. Soul food, having your hair chopped, as I say colloquially, have your hair edged up, neat, clean. Like I saw all this, all these different styles, and it, it, they, they were on point. I, I don't see it. I, I I felt that your black hair is 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 as good if not better, than the white straight hair you've been told is the preferable hair. I don't know, I don't know if, if black people in their hearts feel that way. So I feel that way in my heart. I don't know if black people feel that way in their heart. Who knows? Uh, probably not. We, black people in the whole still have those self-hatred issues, still have them. Um, they may deny it, but I think they still have them deep in their heart. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I need a haircut badly <laughs> right now. I really do. Um, God knows when I'm going to get one again. Um, because, you know, if you're bald, you don't want to, what hair you left grow over because that's a really bad, unkept look, you know. I know from experience you don't want that. So um, I'll just have to wait and see what happens. Oh, Jesus. Well, um, look, hey, Diva, but, Diva, we, yeah. are you talking about this video where people are sort of, they look one way, then they put a brush against the camera, and then they kind of, everything is kind of fixed? Because now there's a like a viral thing going around. This one with, like, black women nurses, They, have, I mean, doctors. They have they toss each other like a white coat, and they'll be like in their operating room garb, and then they'll be dressed up. Is that the one you're talking about? No, no, actually, uh, I, I, actually, I'm looking at uh, like I'll throw some names out. One name is uh, well, 360 Jeezy. 360 Jeezy is a gentleman. I, I don't know where he's. He might be out of Georgia or Texas somewhere. I'm not really sure where he is. 
but he, he's you know he's got like two point eight million subscribers to his Black Barber channel, and he has he has great camera work, great editing, and it's a little bit on the it's a little bit on the hip hop tip, but he's a, he has an affable demeanor, and he's able to show he explains how he cuts you know what he's going to do, how he cuts the hair, and all these young men and some women come in, and you know they got these you know real wolves as they say. You know, wolves and waves and all that kind of stuff. But the way he's able to line up the hair, chop it down, wash the hair, put you know, um, uh, no, you know, no, no kind of straightening kind of thing. He's able to use. Um, I'm, I'm going to buy one of these things too. One of these uh, uh, a hair sponge where you can curl out your 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 hair and all, all kinds of things you can do that I saw this guy do. And I knew some of it, but again, my father's kind of removed from some of that. Some of it, not all of it. But I just, I just sat there in kind of wonderment, and even, and again, people cross-racially looked at black hair admiringly. Because well, I'm looking, I got two eyes. I'm looking at the hair. I'm looking at sharp lineups, excellent fades, and I'm like, you, you should feel, now you, got, you might want to remove the tattoos and the nonsense, but you get your, you get your, you get your, um, you have a dashery on, and you got a, you got a, a hair, a, a square cut. No one can stop you. You shouldn't feel. You shouldn't feel into. You shouldn't feel inferior. I felt like, why do black people still? Why do black people feel inferior when we have a whole culture? We have white folks don't have anything like a wave culture. I mean, you know, black folks are ingenious. And what does what does Captain say? Captain say says black folks got it, but they don't got it. And as he says it so. What he said is so true. We have it. Sean King it's not, says differently. What does he say? No, you, you know Sean King's a white dude. I'm talking about hair. Okay, I'm not going to go there. But go ahead. Huh? How much is a haircut in New York? How much is a haircut in New York? Uh, between ten and fifteen dollars. More like fifteen. I will say this. Um, some people charge more, like these, like these guys that are going all into it. I'm suspect there's more money than that. Man, it only cost me eight here. I'm you know, man, it's, it's more where I am. I've heard in New like York, in, baby, some New places, York. How much? I heard some places they charge fifty dollars to cut your hair. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, but they'll nah. nah. Some places in New York could probably charge you fifty dollars. You can find places in Chicago that charge you fifty dollars. I should add, I also add a tip to the barber. Yeah, that well, that's, well. that's another Always thing that the, the that's another thing that the Oracle talks about is why he prefers to deal with established older people because the younger cats that are playing around, they, there's no guarantee they're going to pay you. But a, but a, an established working person, a professional, they're gonna they're gonna tip you, they're gonna they're gonna pay you, they're gonna respect you. But the younger barbers have to play games with these young people. So there's, there's a little dishonesty, unfortunately, with some of the young folks. But nevertheless, some of these guys, if you got 2.8 million subscribers to your barber's channel, you're on a whole different level. Your channel's making enough money. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Uh, I th- I just thought it was interesting. I was very I was very impressed with that. And that's just one of a number of things that I I see that black people need to double down on as far as the, as far as themselves. Like 
Like, always bet on yourself. We, don't, we seem to want to bet on other people except black people. And yet black, white people come in and take the stuff that you are uh, insecure about. I saw white kids in that barber's chair trying to get their hair to look like the black man's hair. But you call your hair bad hair. What part of that is illogical? I think it's insane, gentlemen. I might revisit it. Check out G three sixty GZ. Three sixty GZ. I think it's kinda interesting how what he's able to and there's a number of UK barbers, there's a number of barber channels where where cross racially people are digging the cutting of black hair. Go figure. Gentlemen, we did a shorter a shorter show. We'll be back on Wednesday. Uh thirty seconds remaining. We appreciate you coming by as always. Uh, bear with us as we move to this next spot. We'll see how it works out. Anyway, I'm going to go to, uh, you know what, another Prince Jam. Why not? It's about Wait, the Are you walk. moving to the next spot on Wednesday? It's about, no, no, we'll let you know. Oh, okay. No, Wednesday, okay. not yet. It's about that walk, his royal badness. Wednesday. Thanks, Serge. <laughs>
girl, you know you got the walk. Girl, you know I got the talk. Run, 